What's going on, guys? Kyle Krabs, Locked on Dolphins, podcast number two of this day, Tuesday, August 2nd, looking at the ramifications of the Dolphins tampering punishment that was handed down today from Roger Goodell and the NFL. going to talk about some big picture things that we now have to be aware of as the Dolphins move forward from here. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Kraft, your host here on Locked on Dolphins from Miami Gardens. I am here in South Florida for training camp. And uh, we just dropped the uh, the reactions piece uh, to day one of padded practice for the Miami Dolphins in 2022. I want to thank you guys for making Locked on Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day, even though right now we're dropping podcasts in the afternoon because I had to go to practice and then give you my thoughts from practice. So a little out of sync, but regardless, we got plenty to talk about here on the show. So I'm a lifelong Miami Dolphins fan director, scouting at the draftnetwork.com and uh, your host here on Locked on Dolphins. And we're going to talk about some components, some components of the NFL's decision to hand down uh, a very severe punishment against the Miami Dolphins as a result of uh, their findings in the investigation from the Brian Flores uh, suit against the Dolphins. Uh, this was news that dropped midway through practice today. Uh, and, and you could kind of see the phones start to pick up and everybody's looking at this, this headline and announcement that's making its way pretty much across the public practice. You could see it in the stands. You could see people turn around talking to each other, people holding up their phones. Sure enough, it got up to, to several of us who were sitting up in the media section uh, in the stands. Dolphins stripped of their 2023 first-round draft selection and 2024 third-round selection as a result of the investigation that the NFL launched against the Dolphins that was prompted courtesy of the Brian Flores wrongful termination and racial discrimination suit that came against the Dolphins. Now, what exactly were the Dolphins penalized for? Uh, as you read through the NFL's release, uh, they were, uh, let me start with this. NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell today notified the Miami Dolphins of the discipline imposed for violations of NFL policies relating to the integrity of the game. Today's announcement follows a six-month investigation covering events from 2019 to 2022. Uh, was led by former U.S. Attorney and SEC Chair Mary Jo White and a team of lawyers. Commissioner expressed his deep appreciation to Ms. White and her colleagues for their comprehensive and objective review of these matters. The investigation focused on two subjects. One, whether the Dolphins violated league rules prohibiting tampering with a player and a coach under contract to other clubs. And two, whether during the 2019 season the Dolphins intentionally lost games to improve the club's draft position in the 2020 draft and whether Dolphins chairman and managing general partner, Mr. Stephen Ross, offered head coach Brian Flores financial incentives or otherwise encouraged him to lose games. Commissioner thanked the Dolphins for their cooperation provided by the club and its leadership. Uh, so let's start with this. The Dolphins, according to the investigation, um, had there were different recollections of the key quote that Brian Flores pushed out there into the world with, with his suits suggesting that he was offered money, financial money from, from ownership to lose games. They found no concrete evidence on that front. But what they did find 
according to this release from the league and the penalties that have been handed down, uh, is all pertaining to tampering. Uh, investigation conclusively established violations of the anti-tampering policy on three separate occasions. The Dolphins had, quote, impermissible communications with quarterback Tom Brady in 2019-2020 while he was under contract with the New England Patriots. Those communications began as early as August 2019, continued through the 2019 season and postseason. Those numerous and detailed discussions were conducted by Mr. Beal, who in turn, Bruce Beal, who is the owner in waiting for the Miami Dolphins, who in turn kept Mr. Ross and other Dolphins executives informed of his discussions with Mr. Brady. The Dolphins again had impermissible communications with both Mr. Brady and his agent during the 20 or during and after the 2021 season, while he was also under contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Those discussions began no later than December 2021 and focused on Mr. Brady becoming a limited partner in the Dolphins and possibly serving as a football executive. Although at times they also included the possibility of his playing for the Dolphins. January 2022, the Dolphins had impermissible communications with Don Yee, the agent for New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, about having Mr. Payton serve as the Miami's head coach. Miami did not seek consent from New Orleans to have these discussions, which occurred before Coach Payton announced his decision to retire as coach of the Saints. The quote from Roger Goodell The investigators found tampering violations of unprecedented scope and severity. I know of no prior instance of a team violating the prohibition on tampering with both a head coach and star player to the potential detriment of multiple other clubs over a period of several years. Similarly, I know of no prior instance in which ownership was so directly involved in the violations. Okay, so that's what they found. And I want to get that part done and over with because of what I'm not interested in having the conversation about is the things that they found in the investigation that were spurred on and brought to the league's attention as a part of the suit brought on by Brian Flores. What I would like to invest this time in for us as fans of the Dolphins is to process what has been handed to the team and talk about how it changes how the Dolphins proceed from a team-building perspective moving forward. I think that's a much better usage of my time, because uh, I obviously was not a part of the investigation. I have not seen all the evidence that does or does not exist that the, the committee collected. And uh, I don't want to speak out of turn. Uh, so what I can, can do is talk about how does losing two top 100 picks over the next two years, including a first-round pick this year, change how you approach building a roster? And I think that's, that's where I want to take my angle and, and have what is a, a, an area that I can provide some, some insight into knowing what next year's draft class looks like. Because us over the draft network, we've already conducted regional scouting on 375 to 400 players with, trait by, or with, with scouting reports with pros and cons. We've already done that. I did a mock draft on Monday. I had the Dolphins pick twice, and they picked an offensive tackle and a running back. Well, we don't have one of those picks anymore. Um, but what we do have is we still have one. We do have a first-round pick, courtesy of the San Francisco 49ers. So much like when we were in the darkest of times in 2021, when we were in the midst of the losing streak, part of your weekly routine as a Dolphins fan was not just, man, I hope, I hope we turn this around. I hope we get a dub. It's, man, can the 49ers please crash and burn? And that's the, that's the seat we're going to be in uh, because the Dolphins had their own draft pick removed, but they still are in ownership of the San Francisco 49ers first round pick for the 2023 season. That is important 
Because what that does is it does not leave a black hole in your investment opportunity when you are looking to maintain the progress that you have built. And I think that's a very important note. Also a very important note, Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. It is the world's most delicious protein bar right now. Now, maybe after the podcast, but I digress. You can go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you can save 15% off your next order. That is built.com, promo code LOCK15 to save 15% on your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. So for some perspective, uh, the mock that I did on Monday, I did all 32 picks in the first round, which will now be 31. The last time that happens was the Patriots got hit with deflate gate and they lost their first round pick as a result of that integrity of the game name of integrity of the game. I don't know. Maybe integrity of the game would have penalized said quarterback somewhere across the league a little bit more than next to nothing. If you want to have integrity of the game, uh, sorry, what happened? I blacked out. Um, so Miami in that mock draft, that I had pieced together over the weekend had them picking offensive tackle Jalen Duncan with the second of the two first round picks. The first one was B. John Robinson. And I got heard the feedback from a couple of Dolphins fans. Oh, Dolphins every year, they get like a running back in the first round. Never happens. Da, 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 da. Here's the best case scenario for Miami. The best case scenario is that San Francisco bombs the season because now Miami regardless of their own successes and failures, uh, would be well-positioned to have another premium pick on their hands. That's still in the cards for the Dolphins. What you don't have is as much long-term flexibility or, or immediate flexibility for any big changes that you want to make. Having a first-round pick still is very helpful. And I respectfully to the third-round pick that you've lost in 2024 – uh, a pick that you would lose 20 months from now, you, you can come up with a three. It's not a problem. It's, it, it sucks. This whole situation for the Dolphins team um, is unfortunate. And, and having lost draft capital and, and to be punished publicly from the league for the allegations and the investigation, it sucks. It does. But if you told me, hey, you lost a third-round pick, I can find a third-round third pick. And I won't have to work too hard to find them. It's more the ramifications in my eyes and in my opinion of that first-round selection where you're rolling into a draft with multiple first-round picks already um, and that removing the immediate flexibility that you would have to trade one for a player like they did this year with Tyreek Hill or to slide up or down the board at your whim and you're ever back in call, back in call. I think that's the right way that phrase goes. Um, that's, that's not as easily done anymore if you are the Dolphins as a result of this loss of this first round pick. But from a big picture standpoint, if I'm looking at silver linings, um, the San Francisco trade now 
that the Dolphins got so panned for at the time for being bad process because they traded up for a wide receiver, even though the trade up never happens without the trade back in the first place. And that trade back initially out of three to 12 and then back up to six. The first round pick that you recouped as a part of that deal for this season is a massive domino piece. And if you'd have just stayed at three and picked Kyle Pitts or Jalen Waddle, if that was your guy, um, you'd be in a very ugly spot right now. And I think this is, this is why when we have the conversation about draft picks and draft capital and building through the draft, it's not just picking players in the draft. It's understanding that draft capital and draft selections have an inherent value that you can then use. The more that you have, the more creative ways that you can use it and retain young players on contracts and replenishing that and going from there. Now, depending on how this season goes, there's some prospects in the draft that this would be harmful to not have this pick that, that Miami would otherwise have. Depending on how Miami's successes go, it might be an afterthought because here's hoping we're picking 32 and we forfeit the 32nd pick in the NFL draft. If you do, whoop-de-freaking-do. What a great problem to have. I would trade three first-round picks in one year to pick 32 to guarantee me you'd be in the last spot organically because you won the Super Bowl. I'd do a whole lot of crazy stuff to win a Super Bowl. But um, if Miami finishes middle of the pack, there are some players, and depending on how some of their critical contracts play out in, in big years, there could be players that this is harmful that, that Miami does not have this pick. If Hunter Long does not progress and Mike Gusecki ends up leaving after the year, and Miami were to finish 17th in the draft order, I'd look at tight end Michael Mayer from Notre Dame and say, hey, if he's on the board and you miss out on that opportunity to pick that player, that would stick because Mayer would be an excellent fit for this kind of offense that we're perceiving that the Dolphins are going to run. Uh, that's, that's a player who you'd like to have the chance uh, to target if the season script plays out that way. There's also players like uh, offensive tackle Dewan Jones from Ohio State, who's a bit of a mystery player. He's, he's big and he's athletic, but he's more big. Um, who could be a big progression player this year, uh, but I don't think is going to push the Pete Skaronskis of the world. Pete Skaronski is an offensive tackle from Northwestern, who I, I think is very favorable projection. The Jalen Duncans of the world uh, from Maryland couple of Big Ten offensive tackles who I like, I think are going to be first-round picks when it's all said and done. I don't know that DeWan Jones would pass those guys, but DeWan Jones is somebody who, if Austin Jackson doesn't take a step, might be the kind of player that you would point to and say, hey, he'd be a great player to have. And you might not have that opportunity anymore. I think this probably diminishes the likelihood of seeing Miami pick a luxury player like a running back with their first-round selection because now you've only got one. That domino effect, you'd probably be more apt to reinvest into a Raheem Mostert or bring in a Saquon Barkley on a contract that's team-friendly um, because he, he's really struggled uh, during his last two years in New York. Uh, 
Uh, you still will have Chase Edmonds under contract. So you can find round two and round three and round four backs to serve as complementary pieces. But Miami having two first-round picks is that's the perfect storm for the cherry-on-top pick of a running back in the first place. I don't know how likely I'm going to perceive that to be depending on how Noah Igbenagne shows this year and how Hunter Long shows this year and how Austin Jackson shows this year. There, I mean, there, there's unknown pieces of the puzzle that we have to be able to account for with the way the roster is developing and continuing developing with all these young players in place. So as I digest the ramifications of the punishment that the NFL has passed down to the Dolphins. As we said earlier, this is an unfortunate circumstance, but it's also something that I think courtesy of how Miami has coveted draft capital, this is not an insurmountable hurdle. And in the midst of Stephen Ross's statement, uh, when the punishment was announced, um, he stated that he, he vehemently disagrees uh, but that he accepts the ramifications because he does not want to be a distraction for the Dolphins having a great season this year. I respect that uh, because I think that's still a very real possibility for the 2022 Miami Dolphins to have a phenomenal season. And if they do, if the Dolphins play to their potential and they win 11 games and they win a playoff game, do you think anybody is going to come around next March and say, gee whiz, that first round pick is really going to, you're talking about a pick after 24. So that's my goal for the Dolphins. Make sure that pick is after 24. And it's later in the queue than San Francisco's. So that way, if you lose a pick, it's the lesser of the two. And it's in the back third of the draft. If you do that, I think we can all fairly easily take uh, this situation in stride as fans of the team. Now, me as a draft guy, selfishly, uh, I'm going to be real bummed out the next time I do a mock draft and I get one pick for the Dolphins. Uh, because this, 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 was, uh, th this was the kind of flexibility that a team that has as many young players as the Dolphins had that would give it the world was your oyster. Right? And, and it won't necessarily be anymore. But I think there's, there's still the possibility, any big decision that the Dolphins decide they want to make, if the Dolphins get to the end of the year and they decide they want to make a change at quarterback, losing this first-round pick will not prevent you from doing that. But it will make you pay the price and reap the consequences longer. And that's the, that's the concern because any massive move that you make, whether it's a quarterback or a pass rusher or a head coach, whatever it is, any splash move that you want to be able to make, to be able to pay it all up front and not finance out those premium assets that you're giving away uh, makes it a much easier pill to swallow because you take your lumps and then you're done. Well, any splash the Dolphins go to make from here, um, and the kind of big magnitude splashes like another Tyreek Hill level move, and maybe that's what they would feel would be necessary. We have to see how the season goes. Um, but any move of that magnitude now means you're going to look at the Dolphins roster 
two years from that decision and you're going to say, hey, the rest of the roster has matured and we don't have the fill-in behind it because we've had to mortgage out to make that kind of big move. So, that I mean, that's just the kinds of things that we have to start being aware of as this team that is in contend mode um, tries to pull the right strings to transition from being a young contender to a legitimate contender. Uh, but on, uh, unfortunately, this, this is not necessarily the news I think we all envision to, to be processing on day one of pads. Um, but we can't change it, right? So saw something on Instagram, you know, anytime you're mad, set your, your clock for 10 minutes and you can be mad for 10 minutes. And then when that's done, you say, okay, can't change it. How do we go forward from here? And that's how I am choosing to look at and observe uh, this news that certainly changes the dynamics for the Dolphins going into next offseason. But we have a season to play. And we have practices this week that I will be in South Florida for, bringing you all of my reactions to all of those moments. Hope you will join me for them. Kyle Krabs, fins up. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Make it a great rest of your Tuesday. Doubleheader today. We'll be back tomorrow after practice with another practice recap podcast. Look forward to bringing that your way as well. Keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins.